your blood runs orange and blue. Orange and blue. blue. This, this is the pod, is the for, you. pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Oh, do we have a great guest for you today. What's up, guys? This is Orange and Blue Bloods. You're listening to... Oh, Oh, do we have a big show for you guys today. What's up, guys? This is EJ Stewart. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast in Odyssey, WFAN original. We got a lot to get to on the show. We got a special guest coming on, Christian Winfield from the New York Daily News, the newest uh, member of the New York Knicks beat. We'll be on the show talking about all the stuff happening in the training camp we can expect from this season. I'll be asking them. What exactly is going to happen with Dante DiVincenzo in this rotation? How will the Knicks fill Obi Toppin's backup four spot? And what can we expect from these Knickerbockers this season? So all that and more coming up right after this. Like I said, EJ Stewart here. And our guest this week has been a staple covering New York basketball uh, really for a while now. But it's been on the other side of the street covering the Brooklyn Nets. Last week, he announced he would be joining the New York Knicks beat for the New York Daily News. He's a Brooklyn native, a proud Hampton U alum. Christian Winfield joins Orange and Blue Bloods. Christian, what's up? How's the new beat treating you? It's it's so fun, man. It's a dream come true. You know, I, I say it all the time. My, my pops is a diehard Knicks fan for as long as I've been alive. And he used to get the Daily News delivered to the door just to get the sports section, just to read about the Knicks. And now I'm the person writing on, you know, he shot me a text message the other day. He said, it says Knicks Insider next to my name in the New York Daily News. And it's like, <laughs> it's kind of like a full circle dream come true moment. You know, this is one of those things that I've been working for really since I realized that I wasn't going to the NBA. You know what I'm saying? I, I learned that I pretty early that. in my life. I went, I walked into the, the high school doors. I was like, everybody here is taller, more athletic. You know what I'm saying? They can shoot. It's <laughs> not, you know what I'm saying? It's not in my DNA, but I was always a good writer. I always knew I wanted to be involved in basketball somehow. And uh, this is what I always wanted to do. And for me to be here right now, it's a dream come true, man. Thank you for having me. No doubt. And as someone who also is the son of a diehard Knicks fan, trust me, you're probably getting <laughs> way more insight on your work and way more critiques on your work than you ever oh, have before. Trust me, trust I already me. know. My pops already <laughs> hitting me up like, what you mean? Talk, you trying to tell me what to write? I'm like, man, if you don't get the hell up out of my face, uh, I, I know what no. I'm doing. Yeah, you don't understand how many podcast <laughs> topics that have had to be brought up on this podcast. My dad was like, y'all didn't talk about this. How y'all not mention this? So just get ready for it. I'm just letting you know right now. Yeah, I um, know. It's, it's between him and Knicks fans. I'm not going to hear the end of it. But, yeah, exactly. uh, you know, it's part of the job. That's what's up. So, uh, Christian, <laughs> what made you make the jump from the Nets beat to the Knicks beat? You did a great job covering this for a long time. I know a lot of Nets fans really appreciated your work. What made you make the switch? Yeah. Well, you know, Steph, Steph and Bondi, who did a really, really great job covering the, the Knicks here at the Daily News, he took the New York Post job. And uh, he had been flirting with some other job opportunities before, uh, but he didn't leave because he would have been leaving the Knicks beat for something else. Um, but during those conversations where he was, I guess, negotiating or whatever, my editor said, yo, you know, Steph may or may not leave. Uh, if he does leave, are you interested, right, in taking the Knicks job? And now, and this was a couple of years ago. I was like, yeah, absolutely. But Steph didn't end up leaving then, right? So now he ends up leaving for the New York Post this time. And, you know, maybe a month or or maybe three weeks before he ends up leaving, my editor pulls me aside. He goes, yo, like, it's it's real this time. Steph is about to leave. I'm only going to ask you once, do you want the Knicks beat? I said, what? You ain't got to ask me again at all. Of course I want it. And mm. he left. And, you know, they did a very, very quick, you know, survey just to see if there was anybody else outside of the Daily News that they would want to hire for the Knicks beat. And, um, 
you know, they decided that I was the, the right person for the job. And I mean, dream come true, man. Like I, I love, I love Barclay center, the nets covering the nets dream come true as well. You know, I, I got to cover both of my hometown teams. You know, I got to cover yeah. the nets while KD and Kyrie were there. Um, and now I'm shifting over to the Knicks to cover this team with Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson and all these guys. I mean, it's amazing, but I mean, why did I switch? It's a no brainer, man. I got a chance to go cover this team, uh, at this point. Um, and I mean, I get to go watch games at the garden every other day I'm traveling. And then on top of that, I mean, the travel budget for the Knicks is just completely different than the travel budget for the Nets. I'm in Charleston right now, 30 seconds later, right? I, I made the switch from Nets to Knicks, um, last, I don't know what day I announced it. That was Friday. Or some yeah on Friday I announced it. Or Monday they had media day in Tarrytown. Monday afternoon I learned that I had to go to Charleston for training camp because no one told me. And they were like, "Yo, company car, book it right now. Wow. Book the hotel, book the flight." You know what I'm saying? I'm out here already. We already booked the first like seven road games of the season. And I wasn't even going on the road at all last year with the Nets. I probably went to right. maybe like five road games all the last season. The year before that, I didn't go to very many. Um, so I'm already on pace to travel more with the Knicks this year than I've traveled at all through three years covering the next four years covering the Nets. Right. Yeah. So amazing. Amazing opportunity. I'm excited. So you didn't so you didn't they didn't you had no clue that you were going to have to go down to Charleston. Uh, when, Absolutely when, not. When you got the job. That's crazy. <laughs> it happened so fast. Like I and on top of that, I wasn't getting any like emails or anything from the Knicks because I hadn't announced the move yet. So right. Friday comes along, I announce it, and then they put me on the email list, but they didn't tell me anything, right? I had to go to media day to find out, and then we started booking flights. It was just like, damn. But I mean, you know, it's part of the job, right? And it ain't coming out of my pocket, so I am mad at it. I said, you get that company <laughs> black card, you do you at that point. Yeah, you do whatever you Come got. Come on you, now, you know the vibes. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Christian Winfield is my guest on Orange and Blue Bloods. Any early differences you you see? I mean, it's obviously it's a very weird environment because you are away from, I guess, you know, Tarrytown. You're away from Mass Square Garden down in Charleston. But any early differences you see difference between covering the Knicks and Nets so far? Um, That's a great question. Um, I would say, I don't know. I think it's kind of early to, to tell because we haven't gotten a chance to really cover a game. But the reporters here that I'm here with, I mean, I'm next to – Fred Katz, who is an amazing reporter. Ian Begley, amazing reporter. Stephen yep. Bondi, amazing reporter. Mike Vaccaro, probably Hall of Fame reporter. Uh, Steve Popper, amazing reporter. And that's not to say that the reporters who cover the Nets aren't, you know, elite in their own right. But I'm sitting there with some, like, actual walking legends right now that I have to compete right. with. And it raises your level, right? And on top of that, I mean, you have three times the, the, the amount of attention on what you're writing, right? So I'm reading over – and. Granted, I always took my work seriously, but before I press send on an article, I'm reading over three, four, five, six, seven times because I know it's about 100,000 Knicks fans that's about to look for any little mess up in my oh, story yeah. and they're going to try to, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's, it's, I love pressure. It's a lot, it's, it's a little bit more pressure. Um, and it's just a different, it's a different challenge. You know, I got to get to know a whole group of different players, right? Like I introduced myself to Mitchell Robinson yesterday. It was funny. We had a funny exchange. I just walked over. I was like, yo, what's up? Christian Winfield with the New York Daily News. He goes, oh, I'm Mitchell Robinson, New York Knicks center. I'm like, (laughs) obviously, obviously that's you. And he was just joking. He goes, yeah, your waves are spinning, brother. I'm like, yeah, I appreciate that. You know what it is. And it's just cool. It's kind of like first day of school vibes for me. I'm getting to know different people, introducing myself. Uh, I introduced myself to Tom Thibodeau. We had a little joke too. Because 
Steph moved over from here to the post. And I guess he, I guess Tibbs thought he got away from the New York Daily News. So I introduced myself. I'm like, yeah, Christian Whitford, I'm, the New, I'm with the New York Daily News. He goes, ah, I thought I got away from you guys. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's just fun. It, it's fun kind of like starting over and building relationships from the ground up again. Um, but it's also a challenge, right? Because a lot of these guys don't know me. So I have to, you know what I'm saying, give them a reason to. That's interesting. I'm glad you kind of brought up some of these like off the cuff moments with Tibbs and Mitchell Robinson, because what we often hear, and I'm sure you've maybe dealt with it a little bit already, is this kind of draconian media relationship between the Knicks and, uh, you know, the media members. But like, it's interesting that your first interactions with some of these guys that you'll be with on the day to day, you know, obviously, who knows when we'll hear from Leon ever again. But when you're talking to the Mitchells and the Tibbs of the world, you're still able to have these interactions that a lot of fans maybe wouldn't think that these things are happening. Yeah, you know, I I feel like that's kind of what gives me a little bit of a leg up, right? Like I can relate to a lot of these athletes because we have similar upbringings, right? We we're in similar, we we look alike, we we come from similar types of of, of places. I grew up in Bed Stuy, you know what I'm saying? I grew up where you had to walk to the barbershop in groups because like you don't know what's gonna happen on the way to the shop, right? Like I, I I grew up in a different era, and a lot of these guys are from inner cities, right? They they can relate to that, and. You know, one thing that I learned along the way is that, you know, a lot of these basketball players, yeah, you see the contract, right? You see 45 million, 46, 47 million for Dante DiVincenzo. You see, uh, you know, Josh Hart, four years, 81 million. You see these numbers. But at the end of the day, they're, they're regular human beings, right? They go home, they right. play Call of Duty or 2K, just like the rest of us. <laughs> they go out, turn up, they do what they do. They just got a whole bunch more money. You know what I'm saying? So building that relationship with these guys is cool. Um, That's one of the things I'm really looking forward to. But on the flip side, like, I was in a position at Barclays where I could have been doing the same thing with guys like Mikhail Bridges and like and Cam Johnson and those guys, right? And I just started to build that relationship there. So it, it's cool to to have a new challenge, but it's kind of like you got to put the rest of it behind you because like, but I'm gonna see those guys. I'm gonna see those guys four times a year anyway. I probably drop into Barclays from there from time to time too. So uh, it'll be fun. I'm 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 ready. I'm excited. Christian Winfield, the New York Daily News, joins Orange and Blue Buzz here today. So the Knicks are coming off one of their most successful seasons of the millennium. They finished with 47 wins, won their first playoff series since 2013. They returned the likes of Brunson and Randall. Both had career years in their first year playing together. And while the Eastern Conference has been now stacked to the tilt at the top with yeah. the Bucs and the, and, the, and the Celtics making these big trades, Knicks fans are hoping for continued growth from this organization. Um where do you see the Knicks in terms of where you think the rest of the league sees them? Because I think you have an interesting perspective coming from, you know, you're in the city, but you're still coming from the net. So that's a team that's looking at the Knicks. You're probably talking talk to other teams and seeing where do you think the Knicks look from kind of an outside picture uh, where you're kind of coming in from the outside looking in? You know, I, I think for the Knicks, it's you didn't really improve your roster this summer, uh, aside from adding Dante DiVincenzo. And you look at the rest of the league, uh, the rest of the East scoop. Oh, my goodness. excuse me. Um, yeah, thank you. So, so you, the Knicks didn't really improve their roster uh, this summer, aside from adding Dante DiVincenzo. Um, you look at what Boston did, you look at what Milwaukee did, and you kind of put them in a stratosphere of their own, right? We don't even talk about them. We understand. Even the Knicks understand. They're like, yo, they were already good. And now you add those two guys. They were already expected to be one and two. So and I think that's where it boils down to. Everyone was already expecting Milwaukee and Boston to be number one and two in the conference before they traded for Dame. Right. So it doesn't really impact the standings, but it does impact what you think your ceiling is for the for the year. Right. Like, for example, say you run into Boston without Drew and then somebody goes down right now. You maybe you have a chance. Even if somebody goes down now, you still got to deal with Drew. You got one of Porzingis. 
Brown, Tatum, like it's tough. Right. And the same is there for Milwaukee. So it's kind of like a race for the third seed right now, right? And I yeah. think the Knicks are in the mix for that third seed. I think Philly's in the mix for that third seed. I think Cleveland's in the mix for that third seed. Um, and I'm probably forgetting another team, but I, I feel like right now the Knicks are in a space where you grow up. I'm sure Miami, same... sure Miami has something to say about that. You know, yeah, Miami sure. likes to play around. Miami likes to act like the yeah. regular season don't matter. You know what I'm saying? They was eighth. <laughs> they, were, they were the eighth seed last yeah. year and then just decided to, to run the East. So I, I, I think that, you know – when you bring the same core that you had last year back for this year, you're going to automatically kind of have a lot of that continuity. And that's a great thing, right? Cause you know, these teams like, like Boston and Milwaukee, they got to figure stuff out, right? They got to figure all that out right. on the fly. But at the same time, like the Knicks, I, I wrote yesterday, you look at their, their seasons, the last three seasons under, under Tibbs, they get off to really, really slow starts, right? I think they were 10 and 13, like 11 and 13 or 11 and eight. Like, I think they were 30, they've been 33 and 44 to start the season uh, for each of the last three years combined. And it's like, when, especially when you look at who they're playing to start this year, I mean, you've got Boston, you've got Atlanta, you've got New Orleans, then you've got Cleveland, you've got Cleveland again, then you've got Milwaukee, then you've got the Clippers. Right. Like that's seven tough games. And four of those are on the road. You've got a road back to back from Atlanta to New Orleans. Um, it's going to be tough. Right. And but at the same time, this is a team that and Tom Thibodeau said this is a team that gets better as the year goes on and they play some of the best basketball at the end of the season. So, you know, I, I think the Knicks are in a space where you kind of understand that you're not going to be competing for a championship right now just because of how the, the East is shaking out. But that doesn't mean you can't go out there and try to build on what you did last season. Last season, they finished fifth, uh, shocked the, 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 the Cavaliers and made it to the second round. Uh, I think they're looking to finish maybe fourth or third this year. And I think with the roster they have, they can potentially do that. So I'm looking forward to covering it. I'm looking forward to see what Julius Randle's able to do. Looking mm -hmm. forward to see R.J. Barrett take another step in his game. Uh, Quentin Grimes is talking a lot of talk. He worked out with J.J. Reddick this, this yep. summer, so I'm interested to see even how he looks. Um, and yeah, no, I'm, I, I want to see what they're going to do. I just don't want Knicks fans to be delusional about what the ceiling is. But you've got Milwaukee and Boston and some of these teams that are just loaded. I mean, you kind of got to be happy with what you got. Yeah, it's going to be tough sledding for the Knicks to try to get past that glass ceiling of the second round, something they have not done since uh, the year 2000. So you talk about that tough start they've had in the past several years, 10 and 13, 12 and 16, 11 and 15. Um, and you talk about this early tough stretch where you got these seven games, uh, arguably the toughest in the NBA to start the season. How is yeah. the team approaching their preparation to avoid another one of those slow starts? You know, I mean, you asked Tom, we spoke to Tom Thibodeau about it yesterday, and he said, you know, all we can do is go as hard as we can in training camp, right? So that's what they're doing. They're trying to re – he said something interesting. They're trying to reestablish what their identity is and then build from that, right? And they've kind of had the same identity for the last few years. I mean, you know what you know what you're getting from this Knicks team. They're going to crash the glass. They're going to play defense. They're going to try to shoot a lot of threes, try to get to the line. They need to convert better at the foul line this year. Um, but, I mean, when, when you've got the team that you have right now – it's going to it's going to be tough to not get out to a slow start when you look at the competition, you look at how many of these games are going to be on the road. Um, I, I think for them, it's number one, not letting these first seven games, no matter which way they go, not letting those seven games kind of spill over, because after you have those seven games, then you got two little layup games and then you've got to. I don't even think you can call them layup games. You got the Spurs and Wembenyama. We don't know what yeah, that's going to look like. They are. And then after that, you got the Charlotte Hornets. I, I think the Charlotte Hornets are going to be one of those sleeper teams that you got to watch out for. You got Brandon Miller. You got 
uh, Miles Bridges coming back. You got LaMelo Ball probably taking a step. The East is tough. The East is really, really tough this year. A lot of teams got better. Um, Indiana, for example, I think Indiana is going to shock some people this year. Um, yeah. The Knicks just have to do what they do best. And, and that's, you know, playing to their strengths. That's what Tom Thibodeau has been saying all, all week, pretty much. We need to come in. Uh, he's been saying, come in, uh, give everything you have. And he's he's almost said it starts a lot with Julius Randle, which is great to hear because he's been the person setting the tone as someone who's been an all-star, has been all-NBA, and is not coming in and just like sleeping through training camp. He's the most intense person in camp from what everyone is saying. And for that to be your leader, setting the tone, um, I don't think they I don't think they're gonna come out and have a slow start per se. I just think that no matter how they play, the schedule is a schedule, right? You're gonna get you have some tough teams that you gotta face. So uh I'm looking forward to seeing how it shakes out. Um, but I think this is gonna be another season where they're gonna have to, you know, bounce back after a slow start to the season. And I want to definitely get back to the start of the schedule and how they plan to kind of, you know, kind of overcome some of these struggles and these tough games. But you mentioned Randall. I think obviously he's a very important figure. And it is interesting that Tibbs is really heaping on, you know, really leadership responsibilities onto Randall. So one of the things I think some Knicks fans have complained about is that he's kind of been coddled by Tibbs when he has struggled. Uh, because they, I sure. guess people feel like Tibbs, you know, that's the best way to get the best out of Randall here. Randall Tibbs is saying, hey, if we're going to do anything, it's going to start with you. Um, Randall had a marvelous regular season last year. I think the best regular yeah. season of his career. Um, struggled again in the playoffs, but he was hampered by an ankle injury where he needed surgery. How is Randall feeling health-wise, and how is he planning to bounce back from that subpar playoff performance? Julius is is back to his normal self, thankfully. Uh, he He's good. He, he acknowledged that 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 injury was what kind of set him back in the playoffs. But at the same time, he's had some playoff struggles where he was healthy, right? We've seen him disappear completely in the playoffs and, and that kind of cost him some money as well. So I, I think that he understands right now, kind of the gravity of it all that he knows that this team, you know, we, we say it's Jalen Brunson's team at this point, right. And he is the leader of this team. But I mean, when you talk about size and stature and ability to dominate players, that's Julius Randle. And right. this team is going to go as he leads them. So I think he understands that. I asked him, um, you know, what because Tom Thibodeau said, hey, you know, Julius, to his credit, when you look at his career, he's someone who gets better every single year. Right. And I asked Julius what his focus is for this year. And he says he just wants to be more efficient uh, in everything. And I'm asking him what that means. What do you want to what, what where exactly do you want to be more efficient? He's being vague. He doesn't want to say he's not being specific about it. But when you then talk to his teammates and they're the ones saying that he's the one that's like setting the tone and that how he approaches his craft is trickling down to everybody else. Right. You've got guys like Dante DiVincenzo and Quentin Grimes saying that they can't relax in training camp because they see how hard Julius Randle is going. That's kind of a story I'm working on for the Sunday paper in the New York Daily News. I, I think that's where it starts from. It's a different level of leadership. And what Tom Thibodeau said is, you know, leadership is not about what you say, right? It's about how you approach your craft on a day-to-day -day basis. And if that's what Julius Randle is doing, if he's approaching and putting in the work every single day, I, I think eventually things have to shape for him. Uh, but at the same time, we've been here, right? We've seen Julius yeah. Randle come in and dominate the regular season only to get to the playoffs and disappear. Um, so we can't, we, we don't really know. This will be my first time actually covering him in the playoffs and for a regular season. So I'm interested to see how it'll translate and I'm going to ask him about it all year long. So I think it's another situation where he's going to have a strong regular season. Um, I think he's going to be an all-star again this year. Um, and then from there, he's got to overcome whatever it is. Maybe it's a mental hurdle. Maybe it's, maybe it's not, maybe he just needs to play better. Um, I, I think we're going to see it, but we, we can't, we can't really tell, you know, it's like regular season is now. And then, you know, I covered Joe Harris, you know, Joe Harris is the, yeah. the, the ultimate, 
lighted up in the regular season player who who disappears in the playoffs under pressure, right? So it, it's it's a toss up. You never know. The one thing I will say, and look, I've been someone who's been critical of Randall on this podcast uh, pretty much for the year we've been doing it. Not necessarily for the regular season stuff because he's been outstanding, but again, for the playoffs, we saw what happened and some of the comments about the Heat wanting it more. I will say this. Uh, I saw that he's now embraced uh, the teachings and the quotes of Bruce Lee, um, someone that <laughs> I'm, I'm also a, a fan of. I love Bruce Lee. My dad introduces me a lot of Bruce Lee's quotes and movies and stuff. Uh, do you, Christian, have like a certain kind of pop culture figure that you kind of reach for to kind of get you to be the best Christian on the Knicks beat? Wow, that's a great question. Um, so I've I've really changed the type of music and the type of like content that I consume, right? Because the, the things that we listen to ultimately, like, like for example, you start listening to future every single day, then you not even listen to future and you starting to hear the lyrics in your head, right? You starting to play yeah. a lot of these things in your head and that and that could be toxic, right? So like right, I've yeah. tried to like switch up the things I listen to. Like I've been listening to uh some Stormzy, I've been listening to you know a lot of things that are just like soothing to the mind. I like to clear my mind completely. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I like to know I don't like to have any clutter in my head. Um, if there's any one person I've been listening to lately, I don't, I don't know. I've been, I was, I was in the gym this morning listening to the new Drake. That was cool. Um, it depends on the day. Sometimes you gotta dig, you gotta dig into that that dog mode. When I gotta do that, you know, it's future o'clock. You know what I'm saying? But if, <laughs> if it's not that, I, I try to be calm. I try to be cool, collected. I listen to like chill music. You know, I like to keep myself my mind clear. That makes sense. It seems like with Julius, uh, Bruce Lee, a lot of it is, you know, be water, be still. So yeah. someone who plays with a ferocity, <laughs> maybe that is kind of the balance that he needs because we've seen sometimes that uh, that emotion kind of go over the edge. Uh, some of these blow yeah. up the sidelines, blow ups uh, at his teammates. So I'm very curious to see if Julius can uh, can keep his emotions in check and kind of be steady, not just through the regular season, but also through the postseason. I don't know. I, we done seen him blow up uh, so many times. I know. I done seen him <laughs> put the thumbs down to the fans. I done seen him yeah. do so many things on t on TV. I, I get to see all this stuff in person now. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's about <laughs> to be a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, nah, I, I don't know how long he's gonna be able to keep his cool. But that's and and that's part of him, right? Like right. I don't know if he'll be the player he is if he didn't have that intensity on and off the court, right? So we don't exactly. want him to lose all of that. But it is kind of, I guess, like you said, that's why he's meat and water, whatever you want to call it, right? He's yeah, be, wa be water. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, going back to uh, kind of how the Knicks want to start this season, one of the things I've been saying, and, you know, maybe it's too, maybe it's kind of flying in the face of what is a very tough schedule, but I actually feel like the Knicks may be in a position to actually start this year really strong because this is maybe the most continuity they've had under the Tibbs era. You know, first year is essentially a new roster. Um, second year, even though it's a lot of the same guys, they they added two new starters in Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier trying to mix in. And then last year, yeah. again, Jalen Brunson and the new guys that were mixing and starting uh, uh, other guys as well. This year, you know, Tibbs has kind of hinted at the same starting lineup. Really only one player is going to be changed in the rotation from last year, OB to Dante DiVincenzo. Do you think that the continuity on the roster could perhaps – help the Knicks get over the early growing pains that have uh, have kind of played them in the last few years. For sure. You know, I think anytime you bring back the same and chemistry is huge, right? I, I covered a Nets team where you had, I'll never forget it. They had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irvin, and then they had Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Torian Prince, Jared Allen, all these guys that were lame ducks because they knew they were getting traded for James Harden in a few months, but the trade wasn't right. official yet. And the continuity was destroyed. 
because they didn't believe they were going to be there. They ultimately got traded. You re, you re, you have to create a new identity in the middle of the season. The Nets didn't stand a chance that year. And then on top of that, you had Steve Nash as a head coach, which we won't get into. Um, <laughs> and, and then you go back the next year. Yeah, no, I, I could talk all day about Steve Nash's inability to coach, but we, we this is a Knicks podcast. Um, and then the next season, you come back and Kyrie's not playing because the the vaccine stuff. And now you've got no continuity is understated, right? People think it's just a buzzword. Oh, chemistry, and it can be a buzzword, but it's real, right? Like if you and that's going to play to the Knicks' strength right now because you've got a lot of teams that are adding new players that are that are kind of trying to reestablish or establish new identities. The Knicks have the same identity. They've had the same identity for year after year. They've had the same coach. They've had the same core guys, except for you add Brunson last year, and Brunson's been a seamless fit. And I, I think that helps them. But at the end of the day, you've just got teams that have more talent on paper. And it's not very many teams, right, in the East. You've got, I mean, Milwaukee, you've got Boston. If James Harden stays in Philly, I think Philly has more talent. But if James Harden's gone and all you're getting back is Terrence Mann and some picks, I think the Knicks can tie up their number, right? And if you have Philly's number, then it's okay, well, what about Cleveland? Cleveland has a good team on paper, but the Knicks got them out of here last year, right? So I'm not looking at Cleveland as a team that's better than them. The Knicks could sit here and say, look, we can get that number three seed. And it's not just because we have talent. It's because we know how to play with one another. We've been doing this for, for years now. So I think there's a real chance that they can get that number three seed based on having that chemistry and continuity that's going back years. Uh, it's just a matter of that first seven games, there's no team, there's no other team in the NBA that has a seven game stretch that's as difficult as the Knicks. But once you get past that, I, I think it's, it's you know, they have some wiggle room to, to do something here. So I, I'm expecting, I'm holding them to the standard of thinking that they're going to get that third seed. I think they want that number three seed. I think when you look at the East, They've got a chance to go get it. So continuity is going to play a huge role in that. I think continuity is understated sometimes. Um, and we're going to see that season open. I and mean, even the preseason is crazy. You got Boston two times. You got yeah. Milwaukee. You got a you got a preseason back to back. Like who does that? Why why uh, why would the league office do? The league office clearly has something against the Knicks. I mean, you got the worst seven games to open, and then you got preseason back to back. You got the Celtics twice. You got the Celtics four times from preseason to November thirteenth, which is just ridiculous. I mean, it's gonna be a tough start, but you know they they got they got to deal they got to deal with the hand they were dealt. Absolutely, and I know you uh, held your tongue when it came to the slander of Steve Nash. One thing you will also learn about Knicks Nation is that uh, net slander is always welcome and always uh, <laughs> always ready to go. Um, I, like, Listen, like I, I I'll say this: I, I got nothing bad to say about the Nets. I mean, class first class organization yeah. um, from the from the owner I, I never forget I, I wrote a story on Jacques Vaughn um and I, I have I never I don't think I've told anybody this I, I wrote a story on Jacques Vaughn about maybe like 10 or 15 games after he took over for Steve Nash saying that you know this is why the Nets this is why the Nets did this this is you know, I was basically giving him singing his praises and Joe side DMs me and he says thank you for writing this um it, it makes us feel like we made the right decision something along those lines wow. and, and just for him to reach out and say that it's like yo like that that's classy and I appreciate that you know, Sean Marks and Jacques Vaughn, I didn't tell them I was taking the Knicks job. They knew already. They came, congratulated me, shook my hand on the uh, at the uh, – this was last week at their uh, press conference. You know, it, it's just been an amazing time there. Um, can't say enough good things about the people, about the PR team there, about the people behind the scenes. The, the only person I really – you know what I'm saying? I mean, the only person I could talk negatively about was Steve Nash because I feel like he – but that was an organizational decision, right? Like, they, right. he had no business getting that job anyway. They shouldn't have hired him for that. So – 
but other than that, you know, I, I had a great time covering that team. I had a great time being at Barclays, being around there with the fans. I know people say there's no real fans at Barclays. And maybe that was true a few years ago, but now they got some fans in there, even though we all know I don't really compare to the garden. Right. But right. it's good to see something growing there. And um, I, I had a great time at Barclays. That's awesome. You got DMs with Joe Sai. I will say, if you ever get DMs from James Dolan, I would uh, lock your doors and close your windows. Because <laughs> I've already got DMs about. from the from the fake James Dolan. What's, it, what's his name? Dolan. <laughs> Dolan, Dolan J. J. Trump. Trump. Oh, yeah, yes. I got a DM from him already. So uh, I guess I'm off to a good start. There you go. Uh, Christian Winfield from the New York Daily News joins us on Orange and Blue Blood. So there's a lot of excitement within the Knicks organization from head coach Tom Thibodeau about the new addition, Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah. Why are the Knicks so high on him and what he brings to the table? I mean, playoff experience, deep playoff experience. You're talking about a guy who was on the Bucs uh, championship team. You're talking about a guy who was uh, part of the Warriors last season. You're talking about a guy who plays his role well, right? This is a guy who doesn't try to play outside of his game. Uh, he's a guy who's going to go out there, play hard, do the little things, hit threes, make plays for other guys. Um, I love the addition, right? It, it, it's just... Really, when you look at it in a vacuum, it's okay. It wasn't the move that other teams made. It wasn't like the splashy move. It wasn't what everybody wanted. It wasn't trading for Joel Embiid or going to get James Harden. It wasn't that getting Dame Lillard or Drew Holiday. But it was an addition that makes your team better, right? It adds backcourt depth. It gives you somebody who has been in these situations where he can help in the playoffs, and you can trust him to just throw him into the game and not really have to worry about how he's gonna how he's gonna uh, respond. Um, and it gives you another um, another alternative to Quentin Grimes, right? I feel like Quentin Grimes is a guy who has taken strides, but he's got to play better too, right? Well, everybody's got to play better, but he's a guy who, if you're going to be the starter for the New York Knicks, you've got to bring it. And we know what Quentin Grimes, Grimes can bring. He's been working on his game as well. He, uh, like I said, he worked with J.J. Redick. He worked on Penny Hardaway. Uh, what he said was he's been working on um, – with, with J.J., he worked on running off the of screens. He said his conditioning was really the most important thing. Um, but with Penny Hardaway, he's been working with – putting the ball on the floor, uh, coming off of pick and rolls, making plays for other people. Uh, that's great, you know, being able to put the ball on the floor. But they need him to space the floor. They need him to yeah. hit threes. They need him to play defense. Dante DiVincenzo is a guy who knows his role, who's not trying to play outside of his game, right? So that's the one positional battle that we have to look out for. I know Tib said that uh, Grimes is going to be the starter entering camp. But he also said, we'll see what happens, right, in terms of who's going to be the starter at that two spot. So that could go any way. That could change in the middle of the season. We saw uh, Tibbs put Grimes in the rotation midseason, and y'all went 37 and 22 after that, right? Yep. So we know he's not afraid to make midseason adjustments. I know Dante DiVincenzo is going to come and play. Uh, so that's one thing I'm excited for, to see how he fits in. But so far, so good. You know, they're not. it's not like there's bad vibes. Those guys are getting along with each other off the court. At least that's what they say. Um, and I, I think the Knicks are excited. You got another Villanova guy uh, in the building with DiVincenzo. So it's crazy. How you just got all these Wildcats right here on the same team. I'm like, dang, are they going to go try to get Mikhail Bridges next? I, the Nets would never. But it, it, it would be fun if they, if that was able to happen, for real, for real. Yeah, I think with uh, the all of the you, – you'll learn as well with the Knicks beat and, and kind of the, the calling cry from Jalen Brunson. The vibes are immaculate. <laughs> vibes are immaculate right now for – The vibes the are immaculate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Christian Winfield joins me from our, for Orange and Blue Bloods here from the New York Daily News. So the Knicks essentially did nothing to replace Obi Toppin positionally. Um, he was traded, obviously, for second-round picks. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo was added to the team, but obviously DiVincenzo, a backcourt player, Obi Toppin, a four-man. Um, why is the team confident that uh, they can get by without a traditional backup four and really having Josh Hart uh, supplying those backup four minutes? 
you know, I mean, you look at the numbers. Josh Hart's a guy who's gone crap. Josh Hart got put in the game, took Brandon Ingram's starting job uh, in the FIBA World Cup specifically because he could crash the glass and get rebounds, right? Like, and play defense and guard multiple positions. I, I think that's a testament to his ability to play small ball uh, at that four. And I think that's what Tibbs is going to lean into. So you've got him and he's going to play a lot of those minutes. You have RJ and I think we might see RJ at the four a little bit. I think Tibbs alluded to that some, but it's tough, man. When I, I thought Obi, I thought that was a deal for the Indiana Pacers. I think Obi is going to have a breakout season in Indiana. And Nick Speed is kind of divided on that, too. We were having that conversation the other day. Some of them were like, nah, Obi is no good. Um, you had to kind of move on from him. I'm of the belief that with the right head coach and with the right point guard, I mean, Tyrese Halliburton is going to be throwing full court lobs to Obi. And, and you get Rick Carlisle, who's just got a track record of developing players and, and creating good offense. I'm I'm really interested to see in what they're going to be able to do, the Indiana Pacers. Uh, but here with the Knicks, I mean, Number one, Julius Randle is going to play, what, like 36, 37 minutes anyway, right? right. So, like, you really just got to find a way to, to survive those other 11 minutes or 12 or however many minutes he's not playing. That's going to be Josh Hart. That's going to be uh, RJ. That might be some of these other guys that just need to fill in from time to time. Who knows? We might see uh, we might see Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein out there together. I don't know. We have right. no idea what, what we're going to see. But I, I think for the most part, we know that Julius Randle is a high-usage player and that he's going to play a lot of those minutes at the four anyway. Um, so it's really just okay. How do we survive those minutes where he's not on the floor? Throw Josh Hart in there. I think the Knicks are going to be okay, but I think at some point you don't want that wear and tear to build up on Julius, even though he's a guy who wants to go out there and play anyway. And you've got this uh, player participation policy that makes sure right. that these star players have to play. Um, I, I think maybe eventually the Knicks kick the tire on trying to get a uh, another four to back him up, but I think Josh Hart is more than capable. Um, and he just brings another dynamic of you know small ball playing fast, being able to space the floor, shoot threes. He he's I love his game, man. I, I can't wait to see them play this year. Yeah, I think all Knicks fans have fallen in love with Josh Hart since he came over uh, at the trade deadline last year. For you sure. Mentioned R, you mentioned R.J. Barrett. At times, he's been a polarizing figure in the Knicks community. Some people thinking he's a second coming. Some people think he's a bust. Uh, he's coming off a really successful FIBA run, helping Lee Canada to a bronze medal at the World Cup. Do the Knicks anticipate RJ taking another step in his development? And what do they think that looks like, given he is kind of the third banana on a team that has two stars? Yeah, you know, I think it goes back to the playoffs last year. He had a really good playoff run. You know, there was a point in that in that stretch where anytime he shot the ball, I thought it was going in and then it would go in. He was shooting lights out. And then to go from that to then eliminating Team USA in the bronze middle game and, and being the second leading scorer on Team Canada behind Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and now you're in training camp. I think the Knicks are happy with his offseason. I think he's anticipating another step. And I think for him, it's just being more confident, putting the ball on the floor, getting to the rim. We know he can shoot. He's confident in his three-point shot. I think it's just a consistency thing. I think it's an ability to defend that has to that has to improve, yeah. uh, especially since he's really like you've got Jalen Brunson, you've got uh, you've got Quentin Grimes. R.J. Barrett is really like that wing that you're building around right now. When we talk about guards run this league, it's really a wings league right now, right? When you look yeah. around the NBA, you've got Tatum, you've got Brown, you've got all these different players, all these different wing players. You have to be able to compete on that wing to be able to win a lot of games, right? Even if you look at the Cavaliers, that was their big issue last year, and they went and did what? They went and got Struess, and then they went and got George Niang. Yeah. I thought those were two really, really good pickups for them. R.J. Yeah. has to be able to defend his position. He's got to be able to consistently uh, – knock down these threes and I want to see him be able to put the ball on the floor uh, and make plays for his teammates. Um, but for the most part, you know, 
it's funny because whenever you ask Tibbs about any one of his players, he goes into a vague answer about the entire group. And his answer is always <laughs> oh, going to be the same. Oh, you're yeah, going yeah, yeah. to see that a lot. It, it, it's crazy. But his answer is always the same. It's like, yo, we want everybody to come in, work hard every day, and, uh, you know, just put the team first and, and sacrifice, right? And it, in reality, I mean, that that's really what, what you want, right? If you if you want to build a, a culture of, of, of winning, you've got to have everybody buy into the idea that the team is greater than individual success, right? And that means you have to sacrifice. So I, I think for RJ... It's knowing that you've got Jalen and you've got Julius who are going to get most of the touches and who are going to have the ball in their hands most of the time, but also understanding he's going to have to pick his spots and he's going to have to knock down some threes. I think he knows that. I think he's going to build on that momentum that he had from playoffs and uh, FIBA World Cup. I think we're going to see another step from RJ this year for sure. And I thought it was interesting when RJ was asked about, you know, what did you learn about your game from the FIBA World Cup? And he said, I don't think I learned anything from my game. Um, I think that in many ways I can <laughs> – these are the things I can do on both the FIBA game and the NBA game. And, you know, some people may look at that and kind of be alarmed. I actually wasn't. I actually liked the answer because in many ways, I think we kind of know who RJ is as a player. He's a guy that has to get downhill, get to that left hand and finish strong. And then he's got to hit open threes. If he he does those two things, he's going to put up his 22, 23 points in whatever game, shoot a good percentage. And you're going to be happy with his production. If he struggles with the finishing, if he struggles only being able to go left, if he's not making yeah. his jump shots, that's where you see the struggle. So I thought to me, and I don't know how you felt about that answer, but to me, I almost felt like there was some awareness, self-awareness about who he is as a player to say, I know what I'm capable of. and I know what it's going to take for me to uh, basically be a productive player in this league. I, I just got to do it from night in and night out basis. You know, the NBA has a, a way of aging young players. Right. Like guys would be in the league for like two, three years and you think they're 30 and they're really just like 23. Right. Like RJ Barrett's been in the league for a while. He's still a young guy and he's still growing in his game. But to your point, that answer I was there for, I'm like, okay, there there is a level of confidence in his abilities. And and that's good for a player like him. That's good for the Knicks. You know, I'm really excited. You know, I'm I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm looking at this roster. I'm looking at what they're going to be able to do this year. And it's like, for them to be able to be really, really in the mix for that number three seed, RJ is going to play a huge role in that because if he's not playing at a high level, I'm not sure this team is going to be able to, to reach his full potential because like we said, it's a wings league, right? Yeah, you've got Julius yep. Randle. Yeah, you've got Jalen Brunson. You've got all these guys. RJ is a very, very integral piece to this puzzle. And if he's not performing at the best of his abilities, I, I don't know that this team is going to reach its ceiling. So I'm, I'm excited for him. Uh, I think this is going to be a breakout year for him. Um, I think within reason, right? I think he's going to take right. a step, but at the same time, you've got another, a lot of other guys. You got a lot of mouths to feed, right? And that's one of the things that Dante DiVincenzo said. He goes, "Yo, we, there's no egos here. Everybody, we know that we put the team first. Everybody's going to eat." So I'm, I'm excited to see that. Um, I can't wait. We got games coming up next. I think I think the games start on Monday. Like it's crazy. We're basketball season's already here. I know, and I don't know, and I don't know if it's if it's because for Knicks fans. We're so used to either early exits or not even making the playoffs. <laughs> and this time you had a, a run that went, uh, you know, pretty much into mid-May, almost late May. Yeah, It feels like the NBA season just came right around super fast. Like, you know, I'm used yeah. to like being at the point where I'm like, oh, man, when's basketball going to start? Because the season, you know, technically technically ended in April, but for the Knicks probably ended in February or January. competition <laughs> level and their ability to make the playoffs. But here it just feels like we're back around. And now I kind of know what these – Laker fans and these Heat fans just feel like where they're, you know, playing till June and then 
they're right back at it because it does feel. Like I mean, think about it this way: like we had we had a, a second round playoff run for the Knicks, and then pretty much right after that, you've got three Knicks players in in FIBA World Cup play, right? You've got yeah. Jalen Brunson, technically with uh, Josh too. Hart. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I forget he's on the Knicks because he don't be playing. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we haven't spoken to Evan Fournier yet, but I can't wait because I know number one, he's gonna be mad that Joel Embiid did not choose France, and number two. Right. I'm pretty sure he told the media last year that he's not going to be here this year. And lo and behold, here he is right there in Nick's training camp shooting around, probably still going to be a DMP. So uh, yeah, I want to ask you about that. I think we'll get Evan tomorrow. I want to ask you about that because, yeah, because I've seen a quote from a lot of the guys and like you would think Evan was a ghost. I mean, I, I, I know and I know a lot of the fans <laughs> are very curious about what he has to say. He said during the offseason during these interviews he was doing with the international papers and international websites, he said at one point he had hatred for the team for making him sit through <laughs> last year that he wanted to spit on everybody. Like these guys, the international players oftentimes go to these international outlets. And I, I sometimes I don't think they know that it's going to get translated into, you know, English. So then the quotes <laughs> get back to us and we're like, Whoa. And I mean, he, he said he had no relationship with Tom Thibodeau. Uh, where do I know Tom Thibodeau basically said, look, you can't really argue with the record that we've had since Evan's been sitting. But like, yeah. how, uh, what have you guys seen him? What's he been like? You know, you know, you guys haven't talked to him. Has he been normal? Has he been interacting with his teammates? What What's been the Evan Fournier stuff? We have not. So the way it works for training camp with us, right, is they'll let us in for the last like five minutes of their team practice, and then they'll okay. bring a couple players over, and the rest of the guys are out of there. So I saw Evan Fournier on day one of training camp getting some shots up. Uh, I think I put a video up there too. I think it was him, and uh, maybe it was Jalen Brunson or somebody else. Um, and he seemed like he was in good spirits, right? But I, I, that's right. that's only I can that's the only thing I can say from being thirty feet away from the guy and you know not even having a chance to talk to him. I would assume we get a chance to talk to him tomorrow because we all want to. We've been asking for him the whole time. Um, but I mean, when your head coach comes out and says we're thirty-seven and twenty-two after moving him to the bench and we're we're plus five net rating without with him on yeah. the bench, I mean, it, you can't really argue with the numbers. And I mean, he could be mad all he wants, but I mean, eighteen point eight five seven million dollars. To, to sit down on the bench and cheer your teammates on. You better collect them checks, brother. Better collect them yes. checks. It's going to be the last time you get I, I cannot see another team giving him a contract worth $10 million a year uh, after this, right? Like, he's probably going to be a minimum guy or maybe that mid-level or not probably not even the full mid-level oh, because yeah. in the games that he has played, he hasn't really been very good. So it's a little bit of delusion, right? Like, But also, we also see guys that struggle in the NBA go overseas and play well. Dennis Schroeder just dominated in FIBA play, and he was yeah. out the league not too long ago. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it, it's difficult for some of these guys. But, I mean, at the same time, brother, man, that direct deposit going to hit, and you're going to forget how many minutes he's playing. So he, he going to be all right. I think anybody listening to this podcast can tell that Christian loves what he does. Anybody who listens to the show knows how much I love what I do. <laughs> we will both quit what we are doing in a millisecond if it meant we could sit on the bench for the Knicks and make $18 million. What? What? <laughs> in a heartbeat. In a heart. I would trade places with Evan Fournay without thinking twice. You kidding me? $18 million just to not play? Just to sit and, and be a cheer, just a cheer, uh, just to pretty much just to be Theo Pinson. If Theo Pinson could make $18.8 right. million just to sit at the end of the bench and dance, he would do that in a heartbeat. So would I. Stop playing. Do you think the Knicks at any point end up sending him home uh, this season? Or do you think that he'll be on the bench with these guys? He's not going to be a Jay Crowder situation where there's just waiting for him to be traded. That's an interesting question. I don't think they send him home. I, I think at the end of the day, you got you to gotta stay ready, right? Because you could have a game where I'll never forget. 
um, what was it? I was covering the Nets, and like I think they had like 13 players go into health and safety protocols. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Something crazy that. like that. You know what I'm saying? Like you never know when your number is gonna be called. So he's got to stay ready because it only takes one big game for you to be right back in the rotation. It only takes you going for 30 once off the bench. And now you got, unless your name is Cam Thomas and you play for Jacques Vaughn and you put up 40 points, three games in a row, and now you still can't get on the floor. It's crazy. But, uh, you know, (laughs) it only takes one game for you to to be back in the rotation. And to be honest, we talked about the wing, the wing troubles. The Knicks need depth on the wing, right? If Evan Fournier was coming out and shooting 40% from three and, and doing his job on the defensive end, not giving up points, he'd be in the rotation, right? But there's just holes in his game. And he has not been the player offensively that they need him to be. So it, it, I don't think there's a, a way. I don't think they send him home. You know, I, I think you, he's got to work on his game every day and be ready for his number to be called. I think eventually he's going to get on the floor. And if he performs when he's on the floor, maybe that leads to another opportunity. And then that leads to him maybe get another contract somewhere else. I don't think he gets sent home. I don't think there's interest in taking. I don't think a team is interested in him unless you're like, making a deal where he's a salary filler and they're right. getting something else. And like, you know, like I don't think a team is, is dying to add Evan Fournier to the roster. Right. But like at the same time, if his number gets called and he plays well, he might play himself into being traded somewhere else. You know, you never know. There you go. Christian Winfield of the New York Daily News. Just a few more questions before we get Christian sure. out of here and really appreciate your time. It's been awesome so far. Uh, the guy we haven't talked about, who's the guy that I think is kind of the money man for the Knicks, the guy that you know maybe is kind of the the, the hood champ, so to speak, for the Knicks community, has been Jalen <laughs> Brunson and what he brought to sure. the table, not just the last regular season, but also his playoff performance, which was just dazzling. I mean, he just was absolutely incredible yeah. in the playoffs. It inspired hope that the Knicks finally found a cornerstone, a cornerstone player that they've been looking for for, for a sure. long time. Do you believe that Brunson is that kind of player the Knicks can build around? You know, if you asked me this time last year before I saw him play uh, a game with the Knicks, I would have said no, right? Just because I was I was all in on the idea that, you know, he's too short. You know, he he's not going to be able to guard the position. Um, I, I wasn't a believer at that point. Then after watching how he played, absolutely. right. I, I think he's a guy that can be your floor general uh, for the next few years. I, I think he's going to – I think you're going to have to max him out pretty soon. I don't, it's not, obviously, it's not going to be a super max, but it, you're going to have to run him that bag. And he deserves it, right? I mean, we're talking about a guy who became the starting point guard for Team USA over Tyrese Halliburton, right? Yeah. But I mean, to his, to his, I mean, he didn't really play that well for for Team USA either. And he'll be the first person to tell you that he didn't even want to talk about it. I, I asked him a question. R.J. Barrett is sitting there smiling cheek to cheek, <laughs> laughing because he's the one who eliminated him. Jalen yeah. Brunson's like, uh, next question, please. I don't really want to talk about it. But I mean, he's a guy who you. It was just so fun watching him do the things that he was doing with the basketball and just really the leadership, right? Just going out there, being able to command this group of guys and lead them. I mean, it, it was incredible. And I think the Knicks are going to have to run him that bag. And I do think he's a guy that you can build around in terms of, okay, well, let's just throw a name out there. Say for, say for example, these guys want to go get Joel Embiid, right? right? If you're telling me you've got Joel Embiid and you've got Jalen Brunson and you've got some other pieces, maybe you still have Julius Randle there too. I like, I, I, I feel like there's an ease and there's just like a poise that comes with this whole team when Jalen Brunson has the ball in his hands, right? Yeah. And that's what you look for in your point guard. You look for your point guard to be able to give that calming effect, right? That's I think they said the same thing about Kawhi. When Kawhi's on the floor, everybody's calm because you know he's going to make the right decision. Jalen Brunson is that same type of guy, and he comes up big in crunch time. Um, I, I think he's worth all the money. I, I think he's a guy that you can build around. I think the Knicks build around him from this point on for sure. You talk about the Knicks feeling that Kong when Brunson has the ball in his hands. To me, uh, 
throughout that playoff performance, the one that sticks out to me, and maybe it sticks out to me because I was in the building. Shout out to my guy, mm. McPherson, hooked me up with the tickets. To next <laughs> but, like, uh, Brunson, game five, 48-minute uh, battle with the Miami Heat where you got the Heat pressing him oh, full court. You have no Emmanuel quickly, no Deuce yeah. McBride plays, so you're playing the whole 48 minutes at point guard with the Heat pounding him defensively, and he puts on that 30-piece he had and leads the Knicks to that come-from-behind victory. That – to me, will always be kind of. I know people talk about the game six they lost, but I thought that performance really told me, okay, this guy is something different. Because so, I mean, yeah, you got Caleb Martin, who's six foot seven, great athlete, strong, is running with him full court, basically the entire game. Where you're mixing in Kyle Lowry, you're mixing in Gabe Vincent to pick up that of uh, uh, all ninety eight feet, ninety six feet, and he's still uh, being able to play the way he did. I think Brunson, you're right. I think he just adds a level of insurance for the Knicks when he has the ball in his hands. He's a special player. I think, and then you 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 build on that by listening to things that Eric Spolster is saying about Jalen Brunson after the game, just singing his praises, and it's just like to to have a guy like Eric Spolster talking about you like that, and then to I, I don't think there's any greater honor for him than starting for Team USA. I know it didn't go the way he he thought, yeah, but like a lot of people had Tyrese Halliburton winning that starting job, and I thought to myself, you know, Tyrese Halliburton is really talented, but Jalen Brunson is a leader. Right. And that's what it boils down to. Jalen Brunson is the leader of this Knicks team and you just trust him to have the ball in his hands. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder now because he played so poorly for Team USA. Uh, according to his own saying, he'll be the first person to tell you that. I, I think he's got to come out and prove that that's not who he is. And I think we're going to see another level to this game this year. I tell you what, there are two stars that added to this conference, at least added to the, to the top of this conference now with. Damian Lillard going to the Bucs, Drew Holiday trade to the Celtics. Yeah. Knicks were uh, weren't much of a factor in any of those sweepstakes to trade for either of those players. And um, it said they only right now have minimal, if not any, interest in James Harden. Uh, the Knicks are rumored to be kind of holding on to these chips that they have, these first round picks, these uh, potential for pick swaps, and of course the young players they have on their roster for the quote unquote right superstar, the guy that fits what they want. Um, but do you think that this is a strategy that is a risk? to not go after a Dan Lillard or go after a Drew Holiday or go after a James Harden or any of these other guys that may have been on the market, uh, a Zach Levine, a Carl Anthony Towns. Do you think that's a risk to kind of hold on to these chips, hoping that you get the biggest fish to them all uh, when you have these other guys that have been available? Or do you think that is a smart move for the Knicks to wait and make sure they get their guy? I, I think uh, you. I think you can look at it both ways, but I think at the end of the day, you know, James Harden right now, he says he wants to be somewhere. And then the next day, I mean, I was covering James Harden in Brooklyn. And say, he said yeah. he wanted to be there. And then you turn around and he don't want to be there no more. You know, <laughs> you look at the situation in Dallas, Luca could ask out if they start losing. He's a guy that seems like he, he doesn't have really much patience. You know, these superstars these days, they, they're trying to be up out of here, right? You know, like they, they don't necessarily want to stick around in a situation if it's not for them. And then you just go in and you look at, at, at what the Knicks have right now. You've got Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle under contract through 2024, 2025. I think Julius Randle is going to opt in uh, for the 2025, 2026 season. That's $32.4 I think Jalen Brunson is going to opt out uh, and and try to get that more and try to get a, uh, and try to re-sign for more money, which makes sense, right? So I think you've got to make some decisions there. I, I think that, you know, this is a kind of team where you, they've got so much flexibility here that you can kind of play both sides to where you can make a trade. That's why I think... The Drew Holiday to the Knicks trade scenario was interesting because you could have traded for Drew Holiday and then still had assets to trade for somebody else. 
right? But I think still at this point right now, you've still got that in your back pocket. You've got the Evan Fournier contract, which is what, about $19 million. You've got a couple yeah. players you can put together for a trade. And you've got all these draft picks. And I think, what, eight first-round picks they can trade or seven, seven or eight? Like, you're in the driver's seat to be able to put together a compelling trade package for any superstar that becomes available. And superstars are becoming available every summer, it feels like, because everybody's trying to get to a New York or L.A. or Miami. The Knicks will always have the New York City market to their advantage, right? They will never have – super. they will never be a a summer where superstars don't want to go to New York. So, yeah, sure, they could have went and got Dame. They could have went and got Drew. But at the same time, you've got Jalen Brunson. You've got – Julius Randle, who I mean, yes, yeah, sure, you could upgrade from, but this is an all-star caliber player averaging, what, 25 and 10, you know, I mean, you're, you're good with him. What you really, what you're waiting for is the right kind of wing to open up, right? Like, you need that 2-3 that's going to change the game, or that 5, right? So right. that's either Embiid, or maybe that's somebody who becomes available that's not available. Maybe that's OG, maybe OG, maybe they make a trade for OG, even though I don't think they want to deal with the Raptors. I mean, you, <laughs> yeah. they're in a position now where you can... They, Whenever a star becomes available, the Knicks are going to have that 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 package to put together, right? So I think for them, it's about the right player that fits their timeline, that fits their team needs. Um, I don't think Dame or Drew really made too, too much sense to the Knicks just because of how the roster is constructed. But, I mean, if a wing or a center becomes available, you've got the assets, you've got the trade chips. Um, I think that maybe they, they make a deal sometime in the next two years. But at the same time, you've got this team where you got a two-year window now with Randall, Brunson, Barrett, with Robinson, with the group as, as constructed as it is, um, I think that they, they like what they have and they're going to try to go for it because you never know, right? You never yeah. – the, the Bucks get eliminated next year in the first round, kind of like they did this year, last year, and now you've got another matchup against Miami who, I mean, I think Miami's worse than they were last year because yeah. you you lose Struess. You lose uh, – who else did they lose? They Gabe, lost somebody Gabe else. Vincent lost. They, exactly. You lose Gabe Vincent to the, to the Lakers – and you, I think you recently get Josh Richardson back and you're looking around like, okay, well, well, what did you really do? Miami's not going to be as good. Boston, I mean, they, they look really good on paper, but Porzingis, I mean, we saw what he did here in New York. I don't really trust him to be healthy or to deliver in crunch time, right? So right. things could go, things could shake wrong for the, for either one of those teams. And now the Knicks are back in the second round against the Heat. You beat the Heat this time around. Now you in the Eastern Conference Finals against a team that's not Milwaukee or Boston, you could you could end up in the NBA Finals just by virtue of another team, you know, falling off. So I'm not, that's, I'm not saying that's likely. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying it's possible. So I, I think the Knicks like what they have. I think they like the continuity. Um, and I don't think they're going to blow that up unless it's the right superstar type of player that makes you on par with that with that type of Milwaukee or Boston. I don't think Drew Holiday would have done that. I do think a player like Joel Embiid does that. I do think the right type of wing uh, does that as well. Final question for you, Christian. How do you see the Knicks uh, season shaking out? If it's not the NBA Finals, which I know everybody would hope. I know, though I know a lot of Knicks fans, though, that's probably unlikely. Where do you see the Knicks kind of landing where in terms of where they land in the East and what happens in the playoffs? You know, I think they they get in the mix for that third seed. You know, like, I think that third seed is really up for grabs, and I think the Knicks have it to where we, we talked about chemistry and continuity. Those first seven games are tough, but after that, you're, you're looking at the landscape, you're looking at these games, it's a, it's a normal schedule from there. You know, I think they're going to be in the running for that third seed, and I think that, I, I'm not sure if they ultimately get it. I think Philly is going to be in that mix too. I think, you know, uh, Cleveland is going to, I think Cleveland's yeah. going to be good. 
But I think we see them again in that second round mix, right? I think they, they make it to the second round again. And I think you're just waiting for something to shake with some of those other teams. Unfortunately, all roads in the East are going to go through Milwaukee or Boston, right? At the end of the day, no one that's the, that's the elephant in the room. Everyone's talking about it like you were expecting them to be number one and two anyway. But they still have to approach every single game like, you know, like it's not necessarily like it's their last, but they've got to approach it like they're going to win. And I think they're going to win a lot of games. I think we're going to see a team that's obviously above 500. Uh, I think we're going to see a team that's not in the play-in stretch. Like I think the Nets are going to be fighting for that play-in stretch. And the Knicks are going to be firmly in that 3-4-5 race right there. Um, I think we're going to see them back in the second round. Uh, that's what I expect from them. And that's the same that I'm going to hold them to. It's just a matter of like, you've got Dame and Giannis on the same team. You've got Drew, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Porzingis, Horford on the same team, which is tough. You got Embiid. I mean, you got a whole lot of teams out there that that you got to run through. And I think it's tough for them to kind of on paper, you know, stack up. But that's when you deal with the things that aren't on paper. You deal with the continuity. You deal with how intense Tibbs is. You deal with how, how Julius Randle is really approaching leadership and letting it. It's not about what you say. Right. It's about how you approach every day. I think it was uh, Dante DiVincenzo. He said he's happy to not be taking shoulders from <laughs> from Julius Randle as an opponent now that he's <laughs> on the same team as him. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm excited to see how things shake out. I think Knicks fans should be excited about this season. Um, I do think that this is a second round playoff team uh, that could make it to the Eastern Conference Finals if something goes wrong with one of these other teams. So uh, I'm excited to be covering it. I'm, it's it's an honor. It's a privilege. You know, I, that doesn't uh, go over my head. I'm, I'm really blessed to be in the position I'm at. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to covering this team, man. There he is, Christian Winfield, New York Daily News. Hey, oh, the newest, applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Newest uh, Knicks beat writer. Uh, Christian has been fantastic. We're definitely going to have to have you on at some point during the regular season to update us on what's going on. But uh, we're welcoming you to the Knicks community. A lot of people have followed your work for a long time, and we're happy to have another high caliber person on the beat. So I want to thank you so much for joining the show. My man, thank you for having me, man. This is this was and a lot of fun. We got to do this again. For sure. And let the people know where they can find you on social media and all that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, on Twitter, at Chris Blasht, uh, K-R-I-S-P-L-A-S-H-E-D. But, I mean, the easiest way to find me is NewYorkDailyNews.com slash sports slash basketball slash now it's New York Knicks, right? So, you can catch me on there. You can go to your corner store, grab a New York Daily News, go to that back page, might see some Knicks stuff, might see my face, who knows? There you go. And this is a episode of Orange and Blue Bloods, New York Knicks podcast, Odyssey WF and Original. Remember, it's a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Be sure to hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service. Get these episodes every time we drop. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. You can watch this episode with me and Chris. Uh, you can watch it on the WFAN channel, so make sure you check us out there as well. I want to thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you want to follow me, follow me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. Uh, thank you guys again for checking out this episode. For Christian, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.